one of my team went to uh, visit an orphanage in a senior housing last week and they sent me a video and it just it broke my heart to see this woman like she didn't even have she couldn't afford to buy a walker and she couldn't right. barely walk so she used a chair and she pushed the chair so she could just drag her drag her leg and i'm like i, I would go there and buy her a pair of walkers so she can use it yeah. but people are so poor there and we we have so much so True. the big why for me is like i want to be able to give as much as i can and 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 help those Welcome back, everyone, to the Passive Road to Retirement podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Jarrett. Today, we're joined by Elsa Wynn. Elsa is the CEO, founder of Sunrise Equity Group, a private real estate investment firm. She's a national speaker and multifamily coach. Elsa helps people generate wealth through passive real estate investments. Her current portfolio comprises of 200 multifamily units and 225 units in pre construction. Prior to managing Sunrise Equity, she served as the managing member and the CFO for North Star Development, which is a full-service pre-construction development firm. She also has 15 corporate years as a financial controller prior to doing real estate. Also, thanks so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Pleasure is my Andrew. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Of course, of course. So maybe just for the audience, you can kind of give a little background of you know, how you, I guess, how you got into the uh, North Star and then maybe from North Star, how you got into the private side of, of real estate? Oh, that's a great question. So <laughs> my, my story is rather funny. Um, I, I've i always wanted to be in um, investment, right? Mm-hmm. So I, from my corporate career of accounting, I wanted to get into real estate. So I went ahead and get out of real estate license and started selling real estate. And then I had the opportunity to invest as an LP on a uh, development deal, so I did that, and I kept asking the uh, one of the GP if I could help them, you know, in any way I I could to be co GP on the deal, and she kept saying no, no, no. And uh, fast forward a year later, she called me and she go, Elsa, I'm going to go and start my own company, mm-hmm. um, and you, I just want you to be the first person that to know that. I'm like, great. Do you need help? No. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> So I was like, well, can I come to your office and just sit and shadow you in her office is right next to my real estate office? And she go, okay, sure. So I showed up every day in her office. I'm like, you just do your things. I just sit here and listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically forced her to uh, take me under her wing. Yeah. And that's how I became co-GP for uh, that um, North Star Development uh, company and oh, so awesome. you know and then just it just like it's you know when it came to she gets so sick seeing me there she go okay what can you do I'm like I'm really good with numbers mm-hmm. and accounting background she go well I'm bad with numbers um so why don't you come in and you know take care of the financial part and I'll be looking after the development size and the operation sure. so that how I got into my first year as a GP that's awesome. So yeah, like full immersion, <laughs> just kind of sit there and listen to Oh yeah, you're just going to have yeah. to show up until they hire you, yeah. basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Love the determination on that. <laughs> so, that's cool. So I know you do a lot of underwriting, so I guess that's how you got your, your background maybe is from the accounting, right? That's why you're so good at the underwriting side? Correct. Yeah. So numbers, you know, comes easy for me because uh, I've seen it all the time and I, I like, you know, Excel. 
um, it's just my second love language. So yeah. that, you know, it's, 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 just, it's my second nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. How was your um, experience as an LP, I guess, and, and, and then deal? Um, I'm sorry, my experience in... Did you say you were an LP on one deal too, or no? No, no. Okay. So LP, oh, LP? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that limited deal, that actually did not, um, that was not a good experience. Really? And that yeah. when the GP uh, decided to leave that company and started her own company, and I actually lost all of my investment in that Really? Deal. Wow. And, well, you know, I pay a, a big lesson to learn so that mm-hmm. I could do better. Yeah. And to <laughs> me, a lot of that would have scared off a lot of people. But to me, um, it's a less it's a big lesson for me to learn. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I also know like how I can make this a better investing environment for people. I look at risk from a different perspective. Yeah. And um, so to me, yeah, it was unfortunate that I lost all the money in that deal. But at the same time, that also opened the door for me to what I'm doing right now. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying this episode. Are you ready to maximize your real estate investing to its full potential? Join us at Level Up REI Coaching and take your life and business to all new levels. Send an email to nick at leveluprecoach.com. That's nick, N-I-C, at leveluprecoach.com. That's actually one of my questions I always ask, like what your worst moment or what your worst deal was uh, as an investor. So that sounds like a pretty... (laughs) Pretty rough one. I guess now you just... It, kind of it was a rough one. Yeah. So I yeah. lost uh, I lost every penny on that deal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. What happened? But again, because, uh, they just stopped managing it when she left? Or I guess what, what happened to it? Well, what happened was that it was a development deal. And they had to put... And they had put the deal under contract. They haven't closed this. They create what called a long... Like an 18-month close of escrow. So they raised all the money to do all the entitlement work. The intention was to sell the land before they close, you know, kind of like a double close, right? And so we buy the land, say, at $5 million. They're going to do the entitlement, create the values, and now it's going to be 10. So 18 months, we should be done. So we're going to sell that land to someone else. We make 10. We go back and we pay the seller five. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is that we never close escrow, so we never title to it so anything money that put into entitlement if we don't get the approval we lose everything and that's what happened so they they never got the entitlement approval we lost every money every dollar that put into it so all the money that they raised all the investors everybody lost money including myself and so now i'm doing entitlement deal too and i learned my lesson so I pay cash. I don't do yeah. home closing as well. <laughs> yeah. Like if this is gonna cost me a million dollars to buy it, I'll raise a million dollars to buy the land. Right. I'll raise some extra money to do the entitlement. Worst case scenario, I own the land and I can sell it. Yeah. So that's yeah, so that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's like the best lessons, I guess, is when you lose money. You never forget those ones, you know. You don't, you don't, you know, and then to me, it's, you know, I I get to write it off. Let's just put it that way. So it's not like a loss, loss. So I still get some benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One of the benefits of multifamily, right? The, uh, (laughs) the depreciation. One of the benefits of multifamily (laughs) depreciation and, and, and just write off all the losses. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. So I guess now with, you know, the multifamily markets, definitely. I guess changing, you know, we're seeing 
some people say correction or whatever, some, you know, stuff's going on. I guess, what are you most excited about now with multifamily? And is there anything that, you know, keeps you up at night or, you, you know, had you worried? You know, I think to me, it, uh, even though the market is changing, cap rate goes up, interest rate goes up, and um, it makes um, almost no difference to me because I usually don't buy. Um, I don't buy properly based on appreciation. I usually underwrite it and I buy for cash flow. Yeah. So almost every offer before or now or in the future, I still have to take into consideration of the cash flow component, and I will mm-hmm. bring an offer that would give me the cash flow that I'm looking for for my investors. So I would say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it may have an effect on when I exit the deal, but mm-hmm. as far as writing offer, and uh, I do see the opportunities because now this properties come down in value right. um, because of what's going on. So I can get it for a little bit cheaper than what I would have paid, you know, last year or beginning of this year. So mm-hmm. there is an opportunity right there. There are more properties in the market. So we don't have to overbid like we did again. Right. You know, that right. would be a lot of that would be the mistake a lot of people made was they they overbid for properties and then they ended up hurting right now. Mm-hmm. So um I you know, there will be more properties out there and there's more opportunities for us. Yeah. Um so that's how I see it. So I think, you know, the um yeah, the market is changing. And as long as we're conservative with our approach, we should be fine and our investors should be fine. Yeah. Yep, I agree. We're not seeing, I don't know about you, but we're not seeing any, you know, hard deposits day one or anything like that anymore either. Not anymore. Um, yeah, you know? not anymore. Yeah. yeah. Which, Which I right. like. I never did hard deposit day me one. Me either. That always scared me. <laughs> <laughs> too much risk. Way yeah. too much risk. Yep, yeah. I agree. So now you're kind of known as the, uh, I guess, the underwriting, you know, master in the multifamily masters group. Uh, is there anything, I know you write for cash flow. Is there anything you're kind of changing on your underwriting now, maybe versus... A month or two ago? Oh, definitely. So I'm def- um, a lot more conservative with the cap rate. So, you know, for a property that say in uh, that I, I use a 4% cap before right now, I would do even a five or even five and a half. Okay. So that would definitely, you know, ha- and then interest rate as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so if I, I, you know, before we would have used a much lower interest rate right now, my interest rate is a lot higher. So those are the two components. Um, and then the third one is rent, rent, you know, rent increase. So yeah. we know because of everything that's going on in the market right now, the rental demand is also dropped. Mm-hmm. So we definitely need to be more conservative with our vacancy, right? right. And as well as the rent bump. So I know some market like Phoenix, um, it was, you know, at Dallas, they, you know, projected a very uh, big rent bump from year to year, you know, even over, sometimes even above 10%. Mm. Um, but now I definitely don't use that anymore. I use 2 to 3% rent bump the most uh, yeah. and just try to stay as conservative as I can. Mm. My um, price would never be the same as what the seller won. But again, yeah we got to be conservative. And uh, if the markets, if the properties sit in the market long enough, eventually the reseller will realize that if I want this to, if I want this thing to be out of my book, I'm going to have to really be, be realistic about what I want for this property. Right. Yep. I agree. And they say you make your money when you buy. So I'm looking, kind of looking forward to a little bit of a correction, you know, to be honest. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And it's just, you know, sometimes we buy out of um, emotion. Like mm-hmm. you walk in there, you're like, I gotta get this one, right? right. And yeah. um, and 
from a business perspective, that's probably the worst thing that we can do is just right. to get attached to the property or whatever. And like, we're going to buy it. And then the next thing you know, we bid, you know, um, one, two, five, ten million dollars over what we should really pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. It's easy to do, especially if you go, you know, I used to do the single families and I'd go to the auction and sometimes they'd go higher oh, than you- what you could buy them on just like the MLS or something. It was crazy. It's because you get that emotion, you know, like you said. You're you're 100% right. Yeah. So we're going to have to take our emotion out of it and just be uh, as unattached as we can because at the end of the day, it's a business. It's a cash flow. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So what would your, so this is, you know, the passive road to retirement. What would your strategy maybe for somebody brand new getting into real estate, wants to get their first stream of passive income, what would be your suggestion that somebody should do? Just to get you know something passive. Oh, that's a great question, Andrew. Um, I I just got my first LP check this week, nice. which I'm super excited about. <laughs> and again, I've been you know my first LP deal, everything went south, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I was just GP, GP, GP until one of the deal that we needed to close, but there was a gap in mm-hmm. the fund that we needed. So I put my own money in there as an LP so we could close the deal and, and get it going. That's why I say I yeah. absolutely invested right. in the deal. <laughs> and I didn't realize, you know, I, I didn't realize much about it until later when I got my checks. It's a great feeling knowing like, oh my God, the check just show up in my inbox and I have done nothing about it. Like you kind of just forgot about it. Yeah. I even forgot that I invested in it, right? Until... <laughs> I process the distribution. I'm like, oh my god, my name is on. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot him on both sides. So, right? yeah. so it is a big surprise, but at the same time, it's nice getting a check in the mail, and we did nothing with it. So mm-hmm. my advice is somebody out there who have who want to get into real estate, who has some money in the bank that they could invest. Find a good sponsor. You definitely want to do your homework and work with a good sponsors. And mm-hmm. deploy your money somewhere because any good sponsor would do their job with, you know, underwrite the deal and making it and making sure that they are, you know, I mean, real estate is every real estate deal has some sort of risk associated with it. Right. But the more we can de-risk it by conservative with our underwriting and get it a good price, it's not guaranteed, but you will get your return and it will going to beat the market some way somehow. So for all mm-hmm. of my deal, I like to get at least um, 10 to 15% return to my investors every year. And yeah. that's way better than the stock market. Yeah. So don't <laughs> let your money, like, you know, saw my, when I saw my LP distribution check, I'm like, I should have put more money in there because right. you know, I, I just wanted to sitting in here. I'm like, it just didn't make me, it didn't make any money for me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. maybe if you're conservative, start small, but start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but definitely, you know, have a be prepared to interview the sponsor, yeah. uh, know them, uh, maybe look at some of the track records before you start, you know, dive in and work with them and not knowing anything about them. Sure. Do you have any suggestions maybe on two or three questions somebody could ask a sponsor, you know, before maybe ones that you would suggest this should be maybe your top three, at least get these answered mm-hmm. before they invest with somebody? Yes. Yeah, so for me, the first thing I would ask them is that, you know, are they signing on the loan, mm-hmm. right? Are they pay somebody to sign a loan for them? Right. So if you are the GP on the deal, 
right? And we are raising capital from investors who close the deal and you ask somebody to sign a loan for you, um, you have no skin in the game, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And if that deal fall, like you just walk away and that's it. Right? Non-recourse, right? Which most Exactly, of- <laughs> right? No liability. I'm like, so I, I want to I wanna know if whether or not you have some skin in the game. And to me, like if you are signing, if you take on that loan under your name, to me that you're going to have to bear responsibility for that deal. So that yeah. would be the first thing that I was. And then I would ask them, um, I would ask them to show me the underwriting. Mm-hmm. I want to know how conserv- conservative you are when you underwrite this deal. So I want to, I want to be able to see the inside of the deal as well, not just the number that's been presented to me on the PPM, right? Yeah, and right. if 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 the uh, if there is complete transparency and the sponsor would be willing to show that to you, then I would have assurance that you know I can trust that person. Right. And then the, the the last thing that I would want to know is maybe I can interview some of the um, LP who have worked with that sponsor before and just get yep. some sort of feedback. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you get your return or did you have, you know, did they communicate with you regularly? So those are the questions I would probably just go to the LP, the LPs that have worked with them before, ask for some um, testimonials. So um, you know that you have worked with someone who really, you know, has integrity and say don't do that do what they say or don't do yeah that's a great one actually because a lot of the people i talk to the investors one of their biggest complaints is the lack of communication from some of the deals they've been in so mm-hmm. that's a, that's a really good question yeah yeah I like that now maybe you could just review you've done a lot of you know gp deals now uh you've got a lot a lot going maybe you could review mm-hmm. maybe one or two deals just kind of how that looked and you know how you put it together so um, let's just let's just take the deal that I'm working on right now, and sure. um, I actually found this deal through one of my coaching students, and nice. he um, he he brought it to me, and he's like, Elsa, I think this is a really great deal. You know, you want to partner with me on this, so I would take it, I would underwrite the deal myself, mm-hmm. and then I would so go back with him, and I say, you know, I like it, let's do it, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. that's as, as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so once I, I have the deal that I like, the number works out, and we'll put it, you know, we're going to negotiate with the broker. Uh, we usually work with the broker um, instead of directly with the seller, even though I'm a licensed agent, but I know the broker has a bigger say than I am when working with the seller. So I usually just, you know, say, okay, you can keep out a commission mm-hmm. um, and teach us how to get to win this deal because there might be other people bidding on it as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay giving up some of, you know, the commission that I wouldn't be able to get if I, you know, offer the, uh, write the offer myself. Sure. Um, so once we, you know, establish that relationship with the broker and keep in mind, you know, a good broker can make you rich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yep. they're going to keep giving you deals that they know, exactly. you know, that and before they even bring it out to the market, you're going to be the first one that knows. So I am... You know, a big advocate of just get have established good relationship with brokers. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's just I'm going to shop for the loan, right? I have lenders that I've worked with before, so they normally the first one that I go to, okay. and I would ask for a term sheet immediately, right? Mm-hmm. So look at this deal. What do you think you can do? And right. usually that turnaround time is very quick, like even yeah. within hours, latest two, three days for me. Mm-hmm. So once I have a term sheet, once I have that work, like Elsa, I can get this done. 
Yeah. Then again, I would plug all that information within new interest rates, so on and so forth, back into my underwriting model and see what the uh, returns going to look like. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then we arrange for inspection right away. That's the next yeah. thing that we do. I don't care if we're going to rip the house apart or the property apart and renovate everything. I still do the inspection. Yeah. Because um, what happened is that during the inspection, you're going to find out there's a lot of problems with it, mm-hmm. and I don't like to retreat, but a lot of time you have to. So, yeah. you know, I may spend $5,000 to do the inspection, like for this Long Beach deal that I'm doing. Um, but I would be able to go back to them and I asked for $80,000 discount because <laughs> there's a lot more work that needs to be done than what I have thought. Mm-hmm. So you give a little bit, but you gain a lot more. Yeah. And then uh, so on and so forth, you know, there's a lot of moving elements doing the acquisition fees from inspection, ordering appraisal, putting together SBC paperwork, you know, PPM, uh, operating agreement, all that has to come together at the same time we need to raise money. So, it was, you know, that's when my team, like I work with Garrison and he's just a master to me, he's a massive capital raiser. <laughs> so he helps me a lot and I raise capital too. So we, you know, um, we we just make sure that we want to have all the fun lineup. So yeah. when it comes to closing, I'm not like find myself in a hole. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how all works together. And then mm-hmm. I also have my, I, I usually oversee the operation, the acquisition part. So once all that gets to the finish line and the operation team, usually it's Garrison and, and this deal would be Hector, my my partner in LA, and mm-hmm. they'll work together on the renovation part and, you know, getting increase in rent and, and stuff like that. Okay. And do they use, do you typically use like uh, property managers or do they manage them themselves or how does that, how do you work that usually? We, we use property manager uh, okay. to manage all of our properties. And then okay. I usually work very directly with the property manager because I need to review the numbers because yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I, I, I'm used to watching the numbers. Sure. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's just part of me. So I, you know, operations side. You know, that kind of the, the assets management team. And mm. for me, assets management for me is overseeing the report every month and make sure that the numbers is where it's supposed to be. Or if we book, a, you know, just the, um, I want to make sure that we are not overpaying or certain things are underpay. And, um, you know, like for example, this month, I need to switch my property management company from one arm to another arm, same company. Mm. Because one, they the way that they build in, they build it for large uh, properties, and they have all the expenses that built into it. That to me, I'm like, I don't want to pay for, you know, right. a, an extra four or five thousand dollars a month for this whistle and belt that I don't need. Yes. So yes. find me a cheaper version of your property management. So they moved me over to the residential arm, which I shouldn't be there. But again, I would save myself $45,000 a month for not having to be the members of certain um, rental association and the big portfolio that I don't really need, right? Yeah. I just mm-hmm. need the basic one to send me the monthly reporting. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to watch and negotiate because uh, every dollar that we save, you know, has a big effect on the values of the property. Exactly. I was going to say four or 5,000 a month on an NOI basis, you know, with, with multifamily and the cap rate, that's huge, you know, for your value. That's huge. Exactly. And mm-hmm. they're big company, you know, big property, two, 300 doors. 
they need that. We right. don't, you know, yeah. our property, most of them are under a hundred dollars. So I'm just trying mm-hmm. to switch, uh, try to cut that expenses as much as I can. Yeah. Yep. And another great point I want to just highlight was, you know, your 5,000 inspection. Some people are afraid to spend that money on the inspection, but if you found $80,000, I mean, that's a $75,000, you know, profit technically, I guess. Oh, 100%. Definitely worth money. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's also yeah. give us a peace of mind, right? For the most right. part, like, yeah, I know I'm going to change the roof. I can see that. Yeah. You know, I know that sewer light. This house was built in 1965. We probably need to replace that. Yeah. But there could have been a huge crack in the foundation, right? right. Mm-hmm. It was a big thing. So you just, yeah. it's definitely worth spending that five, $6,000. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now, if you could go back to your, say, 18-year-old self, knowing what you know now with real estate, is there anything you could change? <laughs> or, you know, what would you what would you tell that young lady? Um, I will I will save up and start investing passively in uh, multifamily or in some sort of real estate. So get into real estate early, mm-hmm. um, not just get a license, but being an investor. Yeah. So I would just, you know, if I go back to me being 18, I'll probably get in the game as early as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, maybe just stay in real estate rather than try out different career path. Sure. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, as the experience that, you know, we have, I had in accounting also helped me to put me where I am today. Not that I'm not able to get there without my corporate background, but again, I would start early. Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I'd like to Invest say buy real estate in, and wait, right? Buy <laughs> and wait. And, and um, you know, with that 2000, 2008 crash, um, there were, that was, Big a big loss for a lot of people, but I know a, pe- a, a few people that made so much money out of that 2008 crash as well because oh, yeah. oh, yeah. they saw the opportunities. Like I had a guy that bought. Maybe you were one of them. It's like mm-hmm. also there were a days. There was a uh, there was a day that I bought almost. Um, I think he closed like sometimes 500 properties um, wow. a, a month. <laughs> yeah, he bought everything. He bought wow. everything. Yeah, he he bought without even seeing the property. So there was days like I have more than ten closing in one day. That's hmm. how crazy it was. But again, you know, he um he saw the opportunity. He sees the he's and he sees us. And yeah. of course, you know that will tell you where he is today, right? Like exactly. Always <laughs> like okay, just four close, four close, four close, yeah. I'm done, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you could have cash flowed those things, I mean, just even if you barely rehabbed them, just holding them, you know, from 2008 till even 2018 or something, you would have yeah. made massive amounts. Well, and things started <laughs> turning around in like around 2011, 2012, right? right? So even if we should hold it for a few years, yeah, um, you you make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Love real estate. <laughs> So if you could step into my shoes uh, for this interview, what's one question you would ask yourself that I didn't ask you? <laughs> that's, that's a very, very good, interesting question, Andrew. <laughs> um, I would ask um, my why. You know, why Why am I doing what I'm doing? That would be mm-hmm. the question that I'll ask. Okay. So uh, to answer that question, my, my why is that I, uh, I, I love real estate, right? So I do real estate our passion more than money, mm-hmm. but I also love to have a big bank account because um, I feel safe 
you know, of course, when we have money in the bank, we can do a lot of things, not just for us, but also for others. And I do have um, a nonprofit that I have set up with a few other people in multifamily. And uh, we we uh, we use that fund that we have to do a lot of charity works in third world country. So that's that would awesome. be my big why. Yeah, because yeah. to me, that's, uh, I call it wealth transfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even, even though, you know, with everything that go that we go through in this country, I grew up in, in poverty and, you know, like it just breaks my heart just to see people don't have food to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the, uh, one of my team went to uh, visit an orphanage in a senior housing last week and they sent me a video and it just, it broke my heart to see this woman like she didn't even have she couldn't afford to buy a walker and she couldn't right. barely walk so she used a chair and she oh. pushed the chair so she could just drag her drag her leg and i'm like I, I would go there and buy her a pair of walkers so she can use it yeah. but people are so poor there and we we have so much so True. the big why for me is like i want to be able to give as much as i can and 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 help those you know Yep. I know it's just like, you know, a, a small drop in the ocean, but it still make impact in some people's life. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. And yeah, we have a lot to be grateful for. That's for sure. <laughs> you know? Sure, 100%. <laughs> yeah, we have so much, you know, we yeah. have so much. Yep. Now, how yeah. can people reach out and contact you? So the easiest way to find me is on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on Facebook. And then, of course, you know, my my website is sunriseequitygroup.com. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, now we get into our five to thrive section, which is our, <laughs> <laughs> our word association game. So I'll just uh, kind of rapid fire five words and then just give me the first word or phrase that comes into your mind. The only thing is you cannot use the same answer twice. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, Andrew, you're putting me on the spot right now. (laughs) All right. You ready? All right, let's do it. Yep. First one is wealth. Wealth. Um, Real estate. Passive investment. Limited partner. Mm -hmm. Multifamily (laughs) real estate. Cash flow. Equity multiple. Wealth. <laughs> that was a tough one. <laughs> and, I don't think I say wealth, right? <laughs> and uh, Sunrise Equity Group. Um, well, that's a good one. Um, wealth, gener- um, generational wealth. I, like I know it. I use this side, but it's generational wealth. Yeah, I like that. It's a good answer. <laughs> well, also, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much, Andrew. What a pleasure. I had so much fun. <laughs> really <laughs> well, appreciate you. you. Yeah, same here. Thank you. Mm-hmm.